1: So a few weeks ago, our pastor started on this uh, whole series in this concept of serving. And he was talking about uh, the fact that we have to follow Jesus's example in serving. And in order to do that, we had to realize a few things. The first thing is we cannot dictate when we serve. Y'all remember that? We can't dictate when we serve. So it's not about your schedule or my schedule. We cannot dictate where we serve. So it's not about the particular place. It's not about the station that I have in life. It's not about having the platform all the time. It's really about having his heart. And then we can't dictate who we serve. Uh, and that's really important because in our flesh, we tend to have our picks and chooses. Uh But if we're going to serve the way Jesus served, we can't dictate who we serve. But the thing that we can do is determine why we serve. And we serve to follow Jesus's example. The next week he talked about in in order to follow the example and have that right model, we had to have the right motive and the right mindset. So today I kind of want to continue along that line and I want to kind of talk about your heart. Look at your neighbor and say, church, get your heart right. So if I had to give this thing a title, um, I would say that we'll call it serving. It's all about love. So if we're going to serve the way Jesus served and live the way that he lived, we got to realize that everything that he did was motivated by love. But a lot of times we miss that because we live in this world And even though we're supposed to live in the world but not be of the world, we allow that worldly mindset to translate and transfer into our spiritual walk. And we shouldn't do that. Because what happens is we bring our thoughts, our ideologies, what Hollywood has told us about serving and servants. We bring that to the table when we come in the house of the Lord and when we're dealing with people in the workplace. And then we kind of give serving a a bad rap. We say... (laughs) I don't want to be no servant. You know, uh, that's not my thing. Because I look at history. I can just, you know, African Americans, we love to tell you about history. Oh, no, they treated my ancestors evil. They ain't going to treat me like that. You better recognize that was back then, honey. This is today. We don't roll like that now, right? See, that's what we say. You look at it in the natural. Think about it. You're in the fifth grade class and talking to the students. What do you want to be when you grow up? I want to be a doctor. I want to be a lawyer. I want to be an educator. I want to be an engineer. I want to be some great thing. Have you ever heard one that say, I want to be a server at Chili's? Why? Because we have such a negative connotation of serving. We look at serving as something as being subservient, as being below standard, as being beneath me. But that's not what God said. If you look in the book, uh, we'll go through a couple of scriptures. And right now, we just kind of want to briefly look at Matthew chapter 20, verse 26. And that B part of the verse, remember, Jesus is our example for serving. And if we're going to follow him, we got to do it the way that he did it. Uh, if we look at that Matthew chapter 20, verse 26, the B portion says, Whoever desires to become great among you, let him be your servant. But we just agreed that we didn't want to be servants. Because the world's perspective of servants and servanthood is that that's beneath me. That's for somebody that's less than. But God says, if you want to be great, the way to greatness is through serving others. The world says that as as much as I grow in rank and increase in stature and authority, then I get this entourage of people serving me but God says, no, the more you increase in rank and stature in God, the more people you serve. So we're kind of stuck in this place. And I believe that if we get our hearts right, and we do it from a perspective of love, then it'll be easy. Serving would be easy. It'll be a natural outpour of who you are in Christ. Is that all right? All right. So serving a true servanthood, it's not an aptitude. It's not just something we aspire to do. It's not something that we can add to a checklist. That's not what it's about. Because if you look around, you'll see there's a lot of people in positions. And a lot of people are saying they're serving. But they're not doing it the way God said do it. So it's a whole lot of people can fill positions and, 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 okay, I checked it off the list. I did what I needed to do. You know what? I did some good deeds. Check. Right? Oh, I work in the ministry. Check. I feed the homeless. I volunteer at the shelter. Oh, I just, I help people everywhere I go. And all we want to do is check, 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 check. But right now, I think what God wants to do is check our hearts. Because he's so, he's so not concerned about our checklist. He's really concerned with the condition of our hearts. All of the things that we mentioned before, they're good to do. It's good to do. It's good to help people. It's good to serve. It's good to volunteer. But if you're doing it with the wrong motivation, and if your heart isn't right, if you aren't doing it from a place of love, then it loses its significance. You you lose a, a good portion of it because the end result won't be the same. I can treat you any old kind of way and get done what you need to what needs to be done, but it won't make an impact in your life. You'll just have a need met. What what serving with love does it it, it brings you to the place where you have an encounter. With the Lord through that person who's serving you. Ooh, that was a hot biscuit, Jesus. <laughs> so it's the attitude of your heart. Why you're doing all this stuff? Because, you know, we fill our lives with stuff. We got Little League, we got rehearsals, we got recitals, we have everything, you name it. We got so much stuff to do, but if, it's, if our stuff in our hearts, that the things that we're doing, if it's not lining up with God's heart, then we're really doing it in vain. So true servanthood is about allow, allowing God to capture and change our hearts as we yield our rights in service to others. I'm going to say that again. True servanthood is about allowing God to capture and change our hearts as we yield our rights in service to others. In order to follow Jesus' example in serving, we got to have his heart. We know that everything that he did, he did out of love. If we look at John 3:16, what does it say? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believed in him would not perish but have everlasting life. That's love. If we look at Romans chapter 5 verse 8, it says God demonstrated his love for us in that while we were yet sinners Christ died for us. So, Since Jesus was motivated by love, I submit to you that we should be motivated by love as well. One of the things that came to me was that Jesus did everything he did out of love. Because he loved, he served. So if I love, I serve. Another way to put it is serving is love in action. It's love and action. Let's look at the text today. We're going to go to 1 Corinthians chapter 13. We'll start at verse 1 so we can just have the whole context. We'll read down to verse 8. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, 1 through 8. And then if you don't mind, if you also stick your finger in Philippians chapter 2. Just a couple of chapters over. We'll be kind of referencing Philippians a couple of times in some of these points. But we want to get to the heart of the matter I'm going to read, I uh, brought my Bible. I studied from the King James. I type my notes in the New King. We referenced the New International. We referenced the New Living because we believe the whole counsel of God. And sometimes we have to say it in a different way so that everybody can understand it. So for all my King James people, y'all know this one going to read right. Okay. <laughs> it says, though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels and have not charity. The New King says love. I am become a sounding brass or a tinkling cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains and have not charity again, insert love. I am nothing. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, that sounds like serving, doesn't it? And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned, And have not charity, again, that's love, it profit me nothing. Charity suffereth long and is kind. Charity envieth not. Charity vaunted not itself, is not puffed up. Does not behave itself unseemly. Seeketh not her own. Is not easily provoked. Thinketh no evil. rejoiceth not in iniquity, but rejoiceth in the truth. Beareth all things, believeth all things, hopeth all things, and endureth all things. Charity never fails. And we'll stop reading there. So we're saying that serving is love and action. So why go to 1 Corinthians? We can't talk about love without talking about the love chapter. This is showing how love conducts itself. And I don't think we would be doing the text any harm if we say when we're serving as love in action that we can insert servants everywhere we see the word love. We'll go through it and talk about love first and then we'll come back and show it and we'll tie it all together with pretty string. Is that all right? All right. So let's, let, let, let's start walking through this. First of all it says love suffers long and is kind. Suffers long kind of speaks to patience. Would you agree that we have to exercise patience when we're serving others? It's because everybody doesn't move at your pace. Everybody everybody doesn't think as quickly as you think. Everybody doesn't even have the same kind of thought process that you have. You may be a very linear thinker. Other people think more abstractly. And so sometimes for my linear mind, I need to understand, hey, you need to get this. But I have to back off and say, okay, you got to get it in the way that you get it. So when I'm serving somebody, I can't uh, run out of patience with them. I can't tell them, look, you need to hurry up and come on because I'm on a schedule. I got to go. See, even God is long-suffering towards us, but we don't want to be long-suffering toward each other. Yet we're supposed to be the image of Christ in the earth. So we have to start employing some of these practices in our serving. I have to endure some. I have to exercise some patience. Thinking about uh, a few weeks ago, uh, for those who are streaming and those who may be visiting in the house today, we put on our Easter production. Wonderful thing. Fox quality. Do you know how many hours went in behind the scenes? See, everybody that we saw on stage, all those actor portrayals, those weren't the only people involved in that. We had writers, we had producers, we had seamstresses, we had wardrobe designers, we had makeup artists, we had all kinds of things going on. We had hospitality, feeding the people, all kinds of things going on behind the scenes. Weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks of preparation for a two-hour show. I believe everybody who served had to exercise a little patience. Everybody. Long rehearsals. You have to exercise patience because the end result is worth it. When I serve somebody and I'm patient with them and I don't try to rush them, I just want to make sure that they're okay. I want to make sure that they're good, that they're getting what it is that they need. Then that's a process that I get to walk out with them. It's not about rushing them to the finish line. It's about the experience on the way to the finish line. So when we serve from that place of love, we have to have that patience. Next it says love is kind. And I was looking up that word in Strong's and it said first was to show oneself useful. Isn't that crazy? My kindness shows that I'm useful. That kind of speaks to serving, doesn't it? It makes me available, but not just any old kind of available. I'm going to act benevolently toward. In other words, I'm going to be good-hearted while I serve. I'm going to be compassionate while I serve. And I'm going to be caring while I serve. That's good stuff. I don't know how y'all feel about it. That's good to me. The second thing it says is love does not envy. Now, envy is this feeling of discontent or resentful longing to have a quality, possession, or a desirable attribute of someone else. It's really born out of comparison and our worldly desire to be the best or at least be like the best. Because, you know, everybody, remember a few years ago, everybody wanted to be like Mike? (laughs) Then they want to be like Kobe. Now it's got to be like LeBron. Well, maybe not LeBron, maybe Steph Curry, you know, or, or, you know, like, because we make comparisons, you know, after, uh, after the, the disappointing, uh, Super Bowl, and everybody wanted, you know, Tom Brady, he's the GOAT, right? That's what they say. Everybody wants to be the greatest of all time. Everybody wants to do, and we compare ourselves because at least I, I might not be the best, but I at least need to be better than you. Right, but envy, love doesn't envy, says, Stop doing all that comparison, stop that. God isn't comparing us. We were riding along yesterday, Joy and uh, my son Hunter. We were riding and and we were taking her to uh, a thing, she was being uh, doing a prayer, and he asked her, Do you think you're the most qualified prayer warrior? And we kind of laughed about it. And then I was like, oh, this is a, this is a teaching moment. Because even though Joy is a, a very skillful prayer warrior, she studies, she goes to different classes, she's ever learning, always open to what God wants to do. But at the end of the day, all God hears is, oh, that's Joy he's not oh this is a great prayer warrior let me stop everything because joy is praying no oh that's joy and just because joy is praying doesn't mean that he can't hear crystal and just because joy and crystal are praying doesn't mean that he can't hear Kathy you understand so we, we have to stop that envy because when we envy and we start comparing ourselves we start making ourselves a little lower than and if I'm not that good then maybe I just won't do anything because I'm not that good I don't pray like joy you know I don't serve like Juby you know if I did it like that. If I, if I could do it like them, then I would, but since I don't, I won't. You got to take your excuses out of there because love doesn't envy. Love doesn't envy. So when we're serving, we can't be envious. Oh, if I could play the keyboard like Corey, then i really do it. You know what? If all you know how to do is play three blind Mice, you change them words, and you say uh, whatever, you change them words, however, and you play that for the glory of God. That's all it is. Because love isn't gonna envy. When we look in First Corinthians chapter twelve, verses fifteen through twenty, we can kind of see the foolishness of envy. You don't have to turn that, just jot it down in your notes. First Corinthians twelve, verses fifteen through twenty. 20. And this is where the foot is comparing itself to the hand. The foot is like, well, since I'm not a hand, I'm not a part of the body. And then the eye is saying, well, since I'm not an ear, I'm not a part of the body. But verse 20 kind of wrapped that thing up and said, God said everything in the body as he pleased. And so if it pleases God to set you up to serve the way that you serve, then why don't you just please God by serving? And don't worry about what anybody else is doing. I can't dance like Alexis, then maybe that's not my calling, but I can do something for the glory of God. Just be cool with what God has designed you to be and content with the gifts that he has given you. Because when you're serving, you're not envious. Because we serve from a place of love and love does not envy. All right. The next one says love does not parade itself. Oh, this is a good one right here. Love does not parade itself. So, uh, basically what they're saying is love doesn't go around tooting its own horn. Love doesn't go around and say, look at me. Look at me, I'm all that. I am a prayer warrior. Here's my card. <laughs> huh? Oh, if you need deliverance, call me. Oh, baby, I'll cast a demon out in a minute. See, love doesn't do that. Love doesn't do that. Don't parade itself around saying, oh, here I'm this and I'm that. That's not love. That's not what love does. Look at Jesus's example. Remember, I told you to go to Philippians chapter two, verse seven says this. Jesus made himself of no reputation. No, but I want, I want everybody to know my name. I want to be the mega Preacher. to be the prophet that when they say I'm coming to town, they pack out stadiums. But Jesus made himself of no reputation. He didn't go around saying, I'm the Messiah. I'm the Messiah. I'm opening blinded eyes today from 12 to 3. (laughs) That's not what he did. Look, in fact, if you read through the Gospels, look at how many times, how many times it was that he was like, you know what? Don't tell anybody what I did. Don't tell anybody what I did. I think about the, the blind man, the one who was blind from birth, and he said, all I know is I was blind, but now I see. That's all I know. And sometimes we need to have that in our serving. We need to have that as our mentality. It doesn't matter if they ever call my name. It doesn't matter if they ever acknowledge what I did. All I know is they needed prayer and I prayed. All I know is they needed some gas in the car and I put the gas in the car. They needed groceries and I gave them groceries. That's all I know because I'm not parading myself around. Not when I'm serving from a place of love. Love is not puffed up. Oh, a hush fell over the room. Love is not puffed up. Puffed up, prideful. I told him at eight o'clock I said like we said in Mississippi. Love don't have the big head. Mm-hmm. See as servants, we can't get to the place that we think that we're so great that we can no longer serve. Where, no, I'm, I'm the preacher today, and I'm going to need y'all to meet me at the car. I'm, no, in fact, I need somebody to come pick me up from the house because I'm not driving because I'm preaching today. No, if I wanted to be at church, I had a car, I had keys, I had gas. What was preventing me? And I have a valid driver's license. You understand? We can't get to the place where we're so great. Oh, you don't understand who I am. I am the preacher extraordinaire. I brings the house down when I preach. See, love doesn't say that because love isn't puffed up. It's not. Mm-mm, this is where we, This is the part where you have to exercise a little humility. That's when, because you say the word tells us to humble ourselves under the mighty hand of God. When I realize that all I'm doing is what God instructed me to do, how dare I get the big head trying to think that I'm something that I'm not told the eight o'clock service when uh when we were getting ready for this uh I knew that when I knew that I was scheduled to preach, I was like, Oh yeah, I was feeling pretty good about myself because I've taught the servanthood class in the school of ministry, and uh I have many notes on servanthood and i i I do uh serve in the ministry, and I believe I have a servant's heart, so yes, I'm qualified to teach in this series and then I realized that I'm used to teaching. Over weeks, six weeks, nine weeks, and just giving a little snippet here and a little snippet there. And I'm used to being the one with all the material. But when I look at the grand scheme of things, we'll be in this topic for at least a quarter. I'm not the whole deal. I'm a small piece of the deal. And so I have to submit myself and humble myself and say, you know what, girl, you don't have it all. You better go to God. Why? I could have brought you the notes that I had and served you some stale bread. Oh, wow. Philippians 2.8, the B part. We're well, back in Philippians 2.8, the B part. It says that, talking of Jesus, it says that he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death on the cross. Now, if Jesus humbled himself, who are you and I to think that we don't have to humble ourselves? Who are we to think that we can walk around prideful? Because no, really the truth of the matter is what little bit you think you have, you only have because God gave it to you. And even if you have a, a great gift, if you look at the greatness of God, your gift is still small. can't be puffed up. The next one says, love does not behave rudely or unseemly. This one made me kind of chuckle a little bit because I immediately went back to the old school church in the country with that mean usher. Y'all, y'all met her, Y'all know. Sit down right there. Children don't go to the front. Children need to sit in the back. Give me your chair and gum. (laughs) Or always barking out orders, barking, barking, barking at people, you know. And some of us, we kind of like that today. We still kind of barking at people. You know, we gatekeepers and greeters. We have speak to the people. Kind of rude. Oh, well. I ain't feeling her today. Another part of this rudeness comes when we, uh, when we we're really kind of thinking a little higher of ourselves. We still kind of in that pride thing where they're like, oh, they better be glad I showed up. I don't want to be here anyway. I wish they would say something to me. I'll just leave. That's rude. That's not love. I came across this. This is what the Lord showed me. Love conducts itself in a manner consistent with God's character at all times because God is love. So if I'm serving from a place of love, as a servant, I'm going to conduct myself in a manner that's consistent with God's character at all times. Doesn't matter how I feel about it. Doesn't matter what else is going on. I have to just exude love. Here's the next one. Love does not seek its own. (laughs) Philippians 2, 3 through 4 says, Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than himself. Let each of you look out not only for his own interests, but also for the interests of others. Now, that's something that's seeking its own. That's, uh, I just got to have my way. Uh, I'm not going to sing this Sunday because I don't like those songs. Oh, the pastors aren't in town? I think I'll stay at home this Sunday <laughs> because we we're looking for our own way, our own preferences. But God's not so. God is not concerned at all about your preferences. Tell somebody it's not about you, and now y'all look up here and tell me it's not about you either. <laughs> It's all about God. It's all about glorifying God. Everything that we do should be done to the glory of our God. And if what I'm doing isn't glorifying God, then why am I doing it? I can't always want my way. Talking about selfish ambition. Let nothing be done through selfish ambition. This is this one got me right here. Selfish ambition refers to factionalism, rivalry, and partisanship. sounds a lot like the state of affairs in the United States doesn't it is the pride that prompts people to push for their own way so when I'm not operating in love I'm always going to be prideful and push for my own way no 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 we need to do it my way it's my way or the highway No, that's not how you sing the song. You need to sing the song like this. Didn't you hear me sing that before? You need to sing it exactly how I sang it. You need to hit every run and every riff. Not allowing people to be who they are and serve the way they serve. I was telling the 8 o'clock service, I am uh, one of the people that's more organized. I don't like disorder. I don't like chaos. Uh, I like things structured and neat. I like little boxes and brackets that's me. I'm a numbers girl. And numbers people tend to think like that because I need everything to add up equally. I don't like being out of balance. But if you don't live like that, I can't push my way on you. If you happy as, as all can be and, and you going on with the Lord and, and the Lord has blessed you and you don't need, and you, you know, your room is disorganized, your sock drawer is out of order and everything is all over the place and you know we got to push stuff out of the way to get in your house. If you're at peace, who am I to come to you and tell you this ain't the way it's supposed to be? But how often do we do that? Even in our church service, we recently had some changes and some shifts in the service and it rubbed a lot of people the wrong way. But if if you were seeking your own because oh, I'm comfortable with the way things are, well, guess what? God is doing a new thing. So I I submit to you, don't get comfortable. Don't try to seek your own way. Don't try to seek your preference in the thing that makes you feel good. How about you get in the flow of the spirit and just roll with God? Just flow with him. Conceit is the pursuit of personal glory. We were talking about that a little earlier. I want to be the greatest this or I want to be the greatest that. But see, when we're operating from that place of love, we're not seeking out. I'm not looking for my glory. I'm looking for his glory. I'm looking to do things that will bring him glory. Then we talked about, it said, let, let each of you look not only for, out for your own interests, but also for the interests of others in lowliness of mind. Back up a little bit. In lowly, lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than himself. That lowliness of mind, that's that humility again. And if we really operate in humility, it's not really thinking less of yourself or making yourself feel like you're unworthy or inferior or subservient to someone. It's just simply thinking of yourself a little less. It's not always about me. I know I might have a need. Dr. Chan last week talked about it. I know I might have a need, but if your need is greater than my need, let's focus on your need. That's what happened when I'm serving, when I'm serving from love and I'm not seeking my own. This last one says love is not provoked. That means it's not easily offended. Got to let that sink in because we, we like offense nowadays. It's like we wear offense almost like a badge of honor. I'm offended. Everything just offended, offended. No. When you serve with a place of love, you you don't get upset and stop serving just because somebody doesn't do something the way you thought they should do it or if they they don't treat you exactly the way you want to be treated. You don't get mad and take your ball and go home. That's not what happens. It says love is not provoked. You can't provoke me. I don't care what y'all do, short of shooting me in the shoulder. You can't stop me from coming up here doing whatever God told me to do. Whether you like it or not, I'm here to stay. Because I'm not here for you, I'm here for him. And my being here for him says that I serve you. And if I serve you from a place of love, I'm going to treat you the way you need to be treated at the moment that he needs me to treat you. I'm going to do, do all that I can to make sure That at the end of the day, you have an encounter with him. Because I'm not provoked. I'm not easily upset. Let me tell you something. When we follow Jesus' example and serve, we'll do it the way he did it. He made his way down the road. Even when they were rejecting him. Even when they were ridiculing him. When they despised him. When they spat on him. When they cursed his name, they mocked him and scorned him. And he continued to serve because he humbled himself to the place of obedience. So if he did that, who are we to say, oh, well, they they, they did me wrong. I'm done. Who are we? If we're going to serve the way Jesus served, we got to love the way he loved and we got to do it the way that he did it. Let's go back and look at 1 Corinthians 13, verses 4 through 5 again. Remember, we told you we were going to put it all together. If y'all would put it on the screens. And this time, everywhere the word love is, or where they substitute the uh, it for love. Let's say servants. And let's see how this does. If you could, can you put it up in the New King, please? Here we go. Let's read. Servants suffer long and are kind. Servants do not envy. Servants do not parade themselves. Servants are not puffed up. Servants do not behave rudely. Servants do not seek their own. Servants are not provoked. Servants think no evil. Servants do not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoice in truth. That's it. That's good stuff. So when we're serving like Jesus, we have to realize that we operate with a heart of love and humility, realizing that our servanthood is not about us. It's about being the image of Christ in the earth, loving and serving just as he did. It's about understanding that I can't get mad when someone treats me like a servant because I am a servant. True servanthood is that place where it, our serving turns from obligation to opportunity? From I got to to I get to. So will you allow the Lord to just check your heart right quick? Make any adjustments that's necessary so that we can serve with love the way that Jesus has already demonstrated in the Word. Amen.
0: We hope you've enjoyed this message. For more information on other products and materials, please contact us at 770-484-9300, Monday through Friday, 9 a.m. to 5 p.m., Or visit our website at www.newcov.org If you're in the Atlanta area, we invite you to join us for one of our dynamic services. Once again, thank you for receiving the Living Word of God from New Covenant Christian Ministries, where we are transforming all people into fully devoted followers of Jesus Christ.